thank you for downloading this podcast from Gaimere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, gaimerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. Appreciate that and good morning. Merry Christmas. For all of you up early, either because you had to get up early because the children were up early or because you were heading someplace immediately after this, it's great to have you with us this morning. My name is Mark. I'm the senior pastor here, and it's great that you could be with us celebrating the birth of Jesus. Let me begin with the words that were just read, but from a slightly different version. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. January 12th, 2007, this man stood in the arcade of the Enfant Plaza in Washington, D.C. It's a train station. He stood in the arcade between the doors and the escalator, propped open his violin case, and began to play for three quarters of an hour. He opened with the partita number two in D minor by Johann Sebastian Bach, widely regarded as one of the most difficult pieces to master on the violin. He played it flawlessly. He then moved on to Franz Schubert's well-known piece Ave Maria. Uh, then uh, went on to Manuel Ponce's uh, Estrelita, Meditation by Jules Massenet, another piece by Bach, and then finished with the reprise of the opening partita that he had started with. At the end of those 43 minutes, nearly a thousand people had gone past him at that point in time, peak hour on that Friday morning. Only 27 had paused for any amount of time at all. And he had ended up making $32.17 in tips, plus a $20 note from the one person who recognized him. Stacy Furukawa, a demographer from the Commerce Department, had recognized Joshua Bell, one of the most prominent violin virtuosos in the world, uh, playing on his $3.5 million 18th century Stradivarius violin. Uh, this had all been staged by uh, journalist Gene uh, Weingarten from the Washington Post. And he wanted to find out if, in an ordinary situation, in an inconvenient time, that beauty would transcend the moment. The answer? Uh, no. <laughs> Not at all. A similar experiment was actually held a little bit earlier this month in Sydney. Uh, the popular radio hosts Hamish Blake and Andy Lee uh, actually had a $2 Ed Sheeran peep show. For you Joshua Bell fans, uh, Ed Sheeran is a very popular uh, English singer-songwriter. Uh, and uh, Hamish, kind of disguised uh, so people wouldn't recognize him, went out and spruked a $2 Ed Sheeran peep show, where for $2 you got a 30-second concert of a fully clothed Mr. Shearing. Uh, it took uh, Hamish Blake two and a half hours on the street before he convinced anyone to come in and part with two dollars, sit in this little velvety alcove, and have a close encounter of the Ed Sheeran kind. Over the course of the four or five hours that they spent, they only got half a dozen people to participate uh, in this little experiment. Most people just walked right on past. In 2006, the Nativity Story came out, the full-length feature film that tells us the story of Jesus' birth. 
uh, while I was uh, working here and uh, it was close to Christmas, I figured I should probably go and see a Christmas movie before Christmas, so off I trotted. It was only shown once uh, in, the, in the lead up to Christmas in that week. It was the next day at about 11.30, so off I troop, get my ticket, wander into the cinema, and I'm the first one there. It's not that unusual. I like to be early, so that wasn't very odd. I sat there and watched the ads and the trailers, but as the curtains opened and the lights went down, I realized that I wasn't just the first person there. I was the only person there. And so while people around me in theaters were watching Deck the Halls with Danny DeVito or the Santa Claus 3 with Tim Allen or The Holiday with Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz, I watched The Nativity Story all by myself in the theater, an exclusive setting just for me. This is kind of worse than the Ed Sheeran thing, really. <laughs> Nonetheless, all of these can actually function as sort of parables for us, can't they? Right? That in the busyness of the Christmas season, there's so much to do, we can rush past it and we miss the wonder and delight and joy that the Christmas season offers us. And that's true, isn't it? That's true. I mean, how many of us get to Christmas Day and think, oh, it's already here? Or get to Boxing Day and go, oh, it's already passed. Uh, it's so easy in the busyness to kind of just rush through Christmas. And yet, to talk about it as a parable for missing Christmas just makes us feel guiltier than we already do at Christmas, doesn't it? It just gives us one more thing to do. So now on top of the shopping uh, and trying to find a ham that Coles and Woolies apparently don't stock anymore in sufficient numbers, uh, and trying to get everything done, now I've got to find time to enjoy the wonder and delight of the Christmas season. You have three minutes. Go. And yet when I read through Luke's account of the birth of Jesus, it was interesting that Luke has absolutely no interest in the people who missed the Christmas story. I mean, think about the character who is kind of most often stereotypically the one who misses it, the innkeeper. I mean, what a bloke, eh? Jesus is born, he's got, I got no room. There's not even a, like a hallway, a blanket. No, just so sit in the cave. And yet Luke doesn't actually mention the innkeeper. We assume there's an innkeeper because we're told that there was an inn, and they kind of tend to go together, but there's no innkeeper. And if there is, Luke doesn't say, and that lowlife missed Christmas. He doesn't talk about the hundreds of people who maybe walked past the manger the next day on their way to the census and say, I can't believe they missed it. Luke is not actually concerned to see if in an ordinary place and at an inconvenient time, beauty transcends. Uh, the, the birth of Jesus wasn't some popularity stunt like the Ed Sheeran thing. Uh, and, and nor was uh, the birth of Jesus competing for our entertainment dollar like the nativity story was. Luke is concerned really to tell us the significance of Jesus' birth. And again, as I was reading through the, the story in Luke's account, I was really struck by those words that the angel says to the shepherds. He's, you know, the shepherds are there, uh, and the angel appears. They're terrified. He says, don't be terrified. I have good news, not bad news. He tells them the good news that a Savior has been born, the Messiah, the Lord, just in the town, just over the hill there. That's good news. And then he says, this will be the sign for you. And what is the sign? The sign that a baby has been born who is the Savior of the world is that you will, wait for it, see a baby. And I thought, what sort of a sign is that? The sign of a baby is a baby. Right. 
So I did a little bit of digging. Uh, Luke originally wrote in, in, in Greek, uh, and the Greek word uh, for sign in English actually has a couple of different meanings, and so I kind of dug around in that a little bit. And one of its meanings is that kind of miraculous, supernatural, big event. And there's been a couple of them in Luke's account so far. In chapter 1, Zechariah, the elderly priest, is in the temple offering uh, incense before the Lord, and an angel appears to him uh, and says that your wife, who is elderly, they were, they were both elderly, is going to have a baby. You've never had children, uh, and now you're going to have one. And he says, how can I be sure of this? And the angel says, because you haven't believed, you'll be mute. You won't be able to speak until the child is born. That's a pretty spectacular sign. When the angel goes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child that will be the son of God, she says, how is that going to happen, given that I'm a virgin? And the angel says, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, but then gives her a sign. The angel says, your relative, Elizabeth, the wife of the elderly Zechariah, who have no children and have never been able to have children, she's pregnant. That's a sign. That which was deemed impossible has been made possible by God, and so this, which seems impossible, is also possible in the power of God. And even the shepherds, I mean, if I were in charge of the scene and the angel said, here's the sign, the sign would have been the choir that followed up. You know, here's the sign for you, all right, boys, hit it, a one, a two, right? That would have been the sign. No, here it is. It's a child in a manger. But the second meaning of that word son, and actually its primary meaning, is this. That which distinguishes one person or thing from another. It's the things that set people apart. It's the things that set things apart. It's the distinguishing features. It's like being at the Christmas party and pointing across the room and saying, my boss is the person in the red and white striped top. It's the distinguishing sign of who they are. It's like your blind date telling you, I'll be the person in the blue dress sitting on the third bench over. It's like hearing that the sign that it's a Harley Davidson is the god-awful racket it makes coming up the street. It's the signs. It's the distinguishing features. And here, it's not just that it's a baby but it's the humble circumstances of that birth, wrapped in cloth and lying in a feed trough. I mean, think about it. If Jesus had been born in a palace, which would have been appropriate, surrounded by the nobility and the aristocracy and the kings and uh, the queens and, and all the courtiers and trumpets and velvet and silk and gold and all those sorts of things, while it would have been described as good news for all people, it wouldn't really have been good news for all people. Would the shepherds have been able to come to a palace and knock on the door and said, hey, an angel told us that Bub's, uh, the bub was born and uh, we'd like a cuddle with the savior of the world. Can we do that? Uh, no, no, you may not. If Jesus had been born in a temple surrounded by priests and holy people singing praises to God and incense and candles and all those things, likewise, it would not have been good news for all people. But in this situation, the angels are actually giving them a sign that marks the Messiah apart, that the Messiah, this baby, is for all people. I mean, the angels aren't promoting the birth of Jesus. Have you ever wondered about that? Have you ever thought to yourself, why in the world would the angels go to shepherds in the middle of the night outside of Bethlehem? That's ludicrous. I mean, I'm not much of a marketer, but that's not how you promote something. 
If you're going to promote something, really, you go to Rome in the middle of the day, in the Colosseum, when the place is packed out, and you say, hey, a savior has been born. You get some really wealthy, influential people to retweet your picture of the birth, and you kind of go from there. You don't send them to shepherds, but they're not actually promoting this event. They're simply, shall we say, demonstrating that this is good news for all. Because if there's this good news for shepherds at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder, generally disreputable people, then it is surely good news for everyone. The shepherds could go to the stable. Kings and priests could go to the stable. Although their restrictions tend to be internal rather than external. If I can go back to Joshua Bell and Ed Sheeran for a moment. One of the reasons why, shall we say, it was so difficult to get people to stop or to go in and see these men play is that the usual signs that set them apart were missing. The usual sign that you are seeing Joshua Bell is that you paid more than a hundred bucks for your ticket, you're you're in some sort of fancy dress watching a symphony orchestra where Joshua Bell is standing in front of them playing his heart out. That's the sign that it's probably Joshua Bell. Ed Sheeran, likewise, if you want the sign that you are watching Ed Sheeran in concert, it's not that you paid two bucks from some dodgy bloke on some Sydney street. You bought a ticket, you charged your iPhone so you can take really wobbly video and put it on Facebook, right? And you're standing in a kind of a some sort of mosh pit with Ed Sheeran on a stage with lots of lights really loud with a backing band. Those are the signs. That's the sign that it's who they say it was. But what if on, February, I'm sorry, on January 11th in Washington, D.C., they'd made a general announcement that tomorrow in La Enfant Plaza, one of the greatest musicians in the world will be playing a free 43-minute concert uh, in the arcade. This will be the sign to you. He will have a violin case at his feet and he'll be wearing a baseball hat. Or if Hamish and Andy, the day before their little stunt, had said, hey, tomorrow you have the opportunity for $2 to hear one of the world's most popular singer-songwriters. We won't tell you who it is, but it's a he, and they're not from Australia. Here will be the sign to you. A dodgy bloke in a fake beard will be spruiking a $2 peep show for this person. Be on the lookout. Might that have changed how many people had responded? I think it probably would have. You see, and we have been given, in the birth of Jesus, we've been given a sign. There's no attempt to mislead or misdirect. We're not seeking to test philosophical propositions. But it's one that actually invites belief and a step of faith. It invites a step of faith, an act of the will. I was really struck by verse 15 in Luke chapter 2. Let me remind you of verse 15 for those of you who can't remember what verse 15 is because you don't really pay attention to little numbers. But verse 15 is this, the choir of angels has shown up, they've sung praises to God, and they've gone back up to heaven, and then the shepherds, we have this little conversation, the shepherds say to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has told us about. And I read it and I thought, do you, really? An angel of the Lord has appeared, the angelic choir has just sung their only gig outside of heaven, right? They're never anywhere except the throne room. They've just sung praises to God. Do we really need to hear the shepherds saying, should we or shouldn't we? I don't know. I got stuff on. I mean, wasn't it a given that they would go? 
do we need to hear their deliberation? But as I thought about it, I thought, yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, if we had been told, if you were in Washington and you knew that Joshua Bell or a famous musician was going to be playing at L'Enfant Arcade the next day, if you knew that, you still actually had to make a choice of the will, didn't you? You still had to decide to go a little bit earlier to work so you could watch, or, or to be late to work. And when you got there, you still had to decide to stop and listen to the music. There was an actual act that had to take place. So for us to, to, to believe in this sign also requires some kind of act of faith. And that act of faith brings great joy. The shepherds were filled with wonder and amazement and praised and glorified God. It took me a while to notice this, but uh, as I was watching Hamish and Andy's video of uh, their little stunt, I, I noticed the, 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 the delight and the surprise on the faces of those who came in. And it was really weird. So this young couple, this is the first young couple, they've been walking down the street, and Hamish, unbeknownst to them, has come and said, do you like Ed Sheeran? Yeah, we love Ed Sheeran. Really? Because I've got an opportunity for a 30-second concert, two bucks. You want to come in? Oh, they've kind of wandered off. He's kind of, kind of pestered them down the street. They finally said, okay, we'll come in. So they followed this dodgy guy into this door where there's big signs that says $2 Ed Sheeran Peep Show. They've walked in, there's an attendant, they paid their, their $2 each, they've sat in this alcove, and a voice had said, your 30-second concert with Ed Sheeran will begin in five seconds. The curtain is pulled back, and then she does that face. Can you see it? Oh, it's Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Who'd you expect? Joshua Bell? <laughs> I, I mean, it's, just, it's bizarre, isn't it? And, and, and the, the half a dozen people who kind of stopped in, I mean, this is the common reaction. Oh, it's, it's Ed Sheeran. Yes, it's Ed Sheeran. There was a sign that said it was Ed Sheeran. The guy said it was Ed Sheeran. You paid $2 for Ed Sheeran. They said it's Ed Sheeran, and now it's, it's, Ed, it's Ed Sheeran. Now, we know why they were surprised, don't we? It sounded too good to be true. Really, Ed Sheeran, two bucks? All right, two bucks, I'll, 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 I'll give two bucks on the, whatever. And when that which was too good to be true proved to be true, they were delighted, amazed, astonished, filled with wonder. And the good news of Jesus' birth sounds too good to be true. Peace. Not just an absence of conflict, but everything being just right. Everything being the way it ought to be. A joy that transcends the situations that we may be going through. Forgiveness for all the ways that we feel we failed ourselves and failed our families and failed our friends and just failed in general, let alone the ways that we may or may not have failed God himself, all washed away. Freedom from the things that bind us and keep us tied up, the things that restrict our lives and keep us from fullness and, and abundance. Love. A love that is unconditional. It's freely given, deep, rich, and wide. It sounds too good to be true. 
This will be the sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Vulnerable, poor, accessible to everyone. Even to you. So this Christmas, will you take a step of faith? Will you take a step of faith towards joy? For some of you, that may involve returning to church before next Christmas. For some of you, it might involve reading through the rest of what Luke has to say about Jesus' birth and his life, his death, his resurrection, and the significance of that. For some of you, it might be as simple as a brief Christmas prayer. And I'd like to lead you in a brief Christmas prayer now. To give thanks for all that we have received in Jesus. This good news that is for all of us. Good news of great joy. And as I do so, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And we're going to conclude our service this morning by singing joy to the world. An appropriate uh, hymn and carol to conclude our service with. So will you join me as we take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gift of Jesus. We thank you that his presence with us, God with us, is our present and gift this Christmas. And I pray for each one of us that we might be able to grasp that despite the fact that the good news sounds too good to be true, that we might actually place our faith and believe that what you have said is true. That we might, through an active choice of our will, that we might begin to explore what that good news means. The birth of a Savior, your representative, to restore your world. And we pray that we might be filled with joy this Christmas at the accessible good news for all of us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.